getting down. The arguments are getting loud. I wanna stay, but I can't help from walking out. Let's throw it away. Just take my hand and understand. If you could see, I never planned to be a man. It just wasn't me. But now I'm searching for commitment and other arms. I wanna shelter you from harm. Don't be alarmed. Your attitude was the cause. You got me stressing. Soon as I open up the door with your jealous questions. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend. Jalen Hunter. And if you would do me a favor, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm trying to get to a thousand subscribers, so anything can help. It will definitely mean a lot to me. But this is where we'll start. So LeBron James made big news uh, this week when he pretty much commented about the state of the NBA as far as the injuries. As we know, this is a odd year for the NBA, seeing as though of course, we all just got hit with a pandemic. Hell, we're still dealing with a pandemic, but it looks like we're kind of at the tail end of the pandemic, and, well, hopefully, <laughs> we're at the tail end of the pandemic. And the world has never seen anything like this. And because of that, we had to adjust. This time last year, we didn't have any sports or Sports were just coming back. The NBA had to finish uh, last season in a bubble, which, of course, resulted in LeBron James and the Lakers winning a championship. And then after that, they had the shortest offseason in NBA history, then had to come back and play, and now we're in playoff basketball in June. And this will be probably the latest NBA Finals I think we've ever had. The NBA Finals will probably be in July. Um, So... This is this is different, man. This is this is one of the this is strange times. And of course, LeBron James comments stem from, like I said, all these injuries we've seen. Steph has been injured. Kawhi now is injured. Uh Donovan Mitchell has been injured. LeBron has been injured. Anthony Davis has been injured. There's been so many injuries to big name players and LeBron James is pretty much saying, you know, I didn't. I said this in the beginning of the season. I didn't. I don't feel we should have been playing uh, because, you know, this other thing. He felt because players didn't have time to heal or recover like they usually do. He didn't feel they should be playing. And and I understand. I understand that mindset. I understand that thinking. And <clears throat> excuse me. I understand where LeBron James is coming from in that sense. Athletes, and I've said this before, athletes, whether any 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 professional athlete or any athlete in general, they are used to a what's the word? They're used to a a system. They're used to a schedule. Their bodies are used to a system in a schedule. They're used to a season usually ending around this time. Training usually starts around this time. Uh, preseason or training camp starts at this time because they are so used to that they've trained their body to be used to that it's hard when that gets when that when that gets changed or when that gets forcibly changed without you being prepared for it hell nobody was prepared for you were we all remember in the pandemic when everyone was pretty much sent home from work, except for essential workers, shouts out to y'all, everyone was saying this was going to be a two-week thing. You know, we're only going to be home for two weeks. Everything's going to be back to normal. This turned out to be a whole year thing. So players and, and athletes aren't used to change like that. 
I mean, you put millions upon millions of dollars in your body, at least some people do, and they're not used to that. So when you're going from, you know, usually usual schedule, usual workout regimens, usual what you eat, then having to stop the regular season for what, six months and then coming back and playing uh, playing in the bubble, which, of course, is a whole different type of situation. You know, don't have the usual person to person contact that you're used to. Uh, you're, you're uncomfortable. You're in hotels. It's just it's going to change the way your body reacts. It's going to change the way that your body, uh, the way that you train, at least for this point. And I agree with LeBron when he says that the human body or athlete, you're, the reason why you're seeing an uptick in injuries, especially this year, is because of the result of having a shortened season, the result of having a uh, shortened offseason, the result of the pandemic and your, and your workout regimens and workout schedules kind of get flipped. I understand that, and, and he's completely right about that. Where I feel LeBron James is off, and honestly, he's not off. But he, to me, I don't believe he's saying what's what's actually happening is money. We all know the NBA is, you know, any sport, any organization, their bottom line is money. They want money. Money is what keeps the lights on. Money is what brings people, you know, money is what keeps an organization going. And the NBA, the NFL, NHL, uh, MLB is no different. Money is the root of what keeps it going. So that's the reason why the NBA started the play-in games. That's the reason why the NBA sort of has 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 put has put more game even though the season has has shortened this year that's the reason why you're seeing a whole bunch of uh primetime games more than you'd usually see is because the the NBA is trying to recoup back the money that they lost not only when the season regular season stopped in the 6 months but most of the most of this season a lot of the most of the teams didn't have fans and there was no fans in the bubble. So, and how much money the bubble cost being in Orlando. So it, it, it costs money. And the reason why I believe, I don't know, but the reason why I believe that the players all pretty much said, you know, okay, we'll play is because they knew the ramifications. If they didn't play this year, if the NBA didn't play this year, that means they would have had to, the player association and the NBA bargaining agreement, they would have to pretty much throw that away because it wasn't, it, it wasn't, um, it wasn't honored. You'd have to throw that away and start over. With that happening, more than likely there would have been a strike. And if there would have been a strike, that means there would have been no season this year and maybe even next year. So that means altogether, if the season did not happen this year, there could be a chance. There could have been a chance that we would have gone two and a half to three whole years without seeing any NBA basketball. Not only does that just cripple the NBA financially, but there are players there now. I'm not. I'm not coming at LeBron. I'm not coming at stars. But there's players that don't make star money. There's players that make now understand that $500,000 is 
Hell, if I had five hundred thousand dollars, that would change my life. But NBA players, they live differently. They live to the means that they, you know, can afford. So there are some people in the NBA that don't make millions upon millions upon millions of dollars, and they need these. Sh- I know it's surprising, and when I first heard, it, I was shocked. But there are players that live paycheck to paycheck. Now I understand their paycheck is crazy, but they live paycheck to paycheck. So they need this money. So imagine not seeing LeBron. Imagine not seeing Steph, not seeing Dame, not seeing KD, not seeing any of your favorite players for two and a half to three whole years because they can't get the bargaining agreement right, that they're going to have to start over. Yes, I understand that at the end of the day, players' safety is the biggest thing. And there's a lot of these injuries that we've seen that, to me, are just freak incidents, like the, the like the Steph Curry tailbone injury. To me, that's a freak incident. No one expects Steph Curry to fall and land and hit his tailbone on the bleachers. That That's a freak incident. LeBron James, freak incident. Nobody expects Solomon Hill to dive at the ball and miss the ball completely and hit LeBron James' ankle, and he gets a high ankle sprain. That That's a freak incident. But there are some, you know, there are some players like like what we're seeing with Joel Embiid in the meniscus. I think that is, we'll talk about it a little later. But you know, Anthony Davis and and what we're seeing with Kawhi now. LeBron James is right in a sense of a lot of these injuries is due to a shortened season, or due to a shortened off season. I'm not gonna say shortened season, due to a short shortened off season. LeBron James is absolutely correct about that. But what I think LeBron James, I think he understands, but he failed to mention is the reason they had to play or we, or they would go a while without seeing basketball. So then after that, it's like, imagine if there was no basketball this year or next year or the year after maybe. It's like how much revenue and money would the league lose? I'm not saying that there would be no basketball ever, but – I don't know if the NBA can recover from not having basketball for two and a half years, maybe three. I Even with some of the big stars, I just don't feel that the NBA can recover. At the end of the day, yes, the NBA is big and the NBA has grown since when it started. Of course, you can thank uh, Michael Jordan era and the Olympics. You can thank Kobe. You can thank some of the most of the stars, but the NBA is still not the most popular sport in the, in, in, in the world, let alone the United States. The United States is still f- football. So I just don't think the league would, would survive if they didn't play this year and there would be a strike. Because there would have to be a strike because, you know, you remember last time they had to reshape the, or the uh, player agreement. The league didn't start till Christmas that year because it was a player strike. So imagine having to throw away, then that wasn't just like, that was the first time, the first player strike, that was, or hold out, whatever you want to call it, that was just to re-up or to retool the, or the, the, the player bargaining agreement. If they didn't play this year, they would have to throw it all away and start over. So imagine how tough that would be. And you can't go back to what if they didn't play, you can't go back to what they usually agreed on because they didn't, they're missing a season. So 
again, I understand, and I'm not saying LeBron James is wrong or off kilter. I'm not saying that. LeBron James is absolutely right. A lot of these players uh, are being injured due to, you know, due to change in, 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 in schedule, body schedule, NBA schedule, and, and shortened off seasons is huge. But LeBron James also understands. And, and when he says he didn't think the players should play, Again, there are players that need these game checks, and there are players. It's like the NFL, man. Not everyone's making Mahomes money. Not everyone's making uh, Tom Brady money. Not everyone's making Aaron Rodgers money. A lot of people need that have family members and and people on payroll. They need these money. These money. <laughs> they need these game checks. So I just, I just, I, I understand. I just don't want people to think that um, this. You know, this this season that they're playing is solely for this season, and that's not the case. And I'm not here caping for the NBA. I'm not doing that at all. The NBA is still an organization where owners got money and players, you know, don't get as much money as the owners, even though the players are the – you know, I'm always going to champion the players. But I also can't sit here and say that I don't understand why the NBA didn't play this year. I understand completely. And the NBA – understand like LeBron James has to understand that's why he was I remember he was saying you know they shouldn't play and then quickly before the season was like you know we should do it and always I also wonder will LeBron James feel this way if he was still playing now again I'm not here bashing Braun but would LeBron James still feel this way if he was playing or if AD never got hurt or if he never got hurt you know so I just you know I I understand it I understand it but it, it it's it it is what it is and this is it's solely a money play, but it's a money play not for just this season. You know, there again, players live check to check. I know it's crazy to think, but players live check to check, and not all players make as much as uh, as a Steph, as much as a Braun, as much as a Paul George. You know what I mean? So they, you know, they need to play. They need to play, and I understand why the league. Even though LeBron James is right about the injuries, to a certain extent, because again, a lot of these are freak incidents. Hell, even LeBron James' injury to me was a freak incident. You have a grown man diving at your ankle, but you know that's that's just where we're at with it. Uh, moving forward, and one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest news or stories that hit yesterday was the Boston Celtics traded Kimball Walker. And the 16th overall pick to OKC for Al Horford, Moses Brown, and a couple draft picks. Uh, first and foremost, <laughs> it's crazy that this is um, Brad, you know, Brad Stevens, who is now the newly elected GM of the Boston Celtics. It's crazy how this is his first move is to trade Kimba. <laughs> I think that's crazy, man. But let's talk about it, man. First and foremost, um. I don't I, it always feels weird like people always look at trades and um they always look at the immediate or like who wins who you know who wins who loses the trade this that, and a third but nobody ever really thinks about the like the player has to uproot their whole life and go to some Boston ain't close to Oklahoma City so I you know I feel for Kimba in a sense but a report came out earlier I think maybe two weeks ago or a week ago 
We're saying that Kimball Walker and Boston Celtics are going to part ways because Kimball was upset at the fact that his name was in trade rumors in the regular season. Let's let's we have to have a you know what let's I always say we need to have a serious conversation. We're going to have a serious conversation about Kimball Walker right now. Kimball Walker was brought to was brought on to the Boston Celtics to pretty much be not only the replacement for Kyrie Irving, but he was looked to be the quote unquote missing piece to what the what the Boston Celtics needed. Remember the year Kyrie Irving was there, oh no, the year probably before Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum's rookie year, I believe, the Boston Celtics went to the Eastern Conference Finals and pushed the the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James to seven games. They thought bringing on Kyrie was going to work for or was going to put them over the top. It didn't. The whole Kyrie experience was a failure. Kyrie then left, went to Brooklyn. You bring in Kimball Walker. Kimball Walker was playing for Charlotte Hornets. Now, Charlotte Hornets, when he was playing on there, he was pretty much the only one there. They had no expectations except for inner expectations. Like, they, the Charlotte Hornets, nobody expected the Charlotte Hornets to be good with Kimball Blair. Not saying Kimball wasn't good. It's just there was no expectations of the Boston, I mean, of the 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 Charlotte Hornets being good. Nobody expected them to be good. Kimball Walker gets traded to um, gets traded to Boston. Ever since Kimball Walker has been in Boston, he's had a litany of injuries. He's had a litany of shooting slumps. He's had a hit, hit, his, he's had a litany of um, bad games. And when expectations are when heavier expectations are putting your body putting your body when heavy when heavier expectations are putting your shoulders your your welts start to start to shine a little more than usual what one thing that we knew about Kimball Walker even when he was in Charlotte is that Kimball Walker is not the is he's a volume shooter meaning when he's on he's on but when he is off he is off and even with all that volume shooting he's not the best three-point shooter and not only is not the best three-point shooter he's not a consistent shooter period like don't get me wrong Kimball Walker is an incredible offensive talent and I'm not here to bash Kimball Walker I'm not here to you know Kimball Walker is a great player it's just he is an inconsistent shooter he was inconsistent in Charlotte the problem was again there was no uh there were no expectations up for them but because there was expectations in Boston Kimball Walker just hasn't lived up to those expectations because of the type of player that he is and there's nothing wrong with that there's you know he's he's not he's not the most consistent player either your your best ability is availability and he has been injured a lot for the Boston Celtics especially last year or this year now Am I saying that Kimball Walker is trash? No. Am I saying that Kimball Walker is sh- shouldn't they shouldn't have traded for Kimball Walker? No. But what I'm saying is they expected Kimball Walker to be the missing piece or the 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 missing link to put them over the top, especially in the East, in the East that you know was at the time 
that he first got there was in in flux. You know, it's like what was what were the Phoenix, what were the Philadelphia 76ers going to do? What was Brooklyn going to do? What was you know the Cleveland Cavaliers going to do because they had LeBron at the time? He j- he it just. It just hasn't worked out. I don't know if it's because of injuries. I don't know if it's just because he hasn't really gotten better. Now, again, there have been – Kimball Walker's had some incredible games. He's had some incredible games, but they have been far and few between. He'll have a 35, 40-point game, and the next game he'll have 15 and go like three for 18 or something. Like, that's just who Kimball Walker is. Now – we also, I, I'm not here to just, I'm not here to bash Kimba Walker. I'm just telling the truth about Kimba Walker. We also need to tell the truth about the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics, the Boston Celtics rides. I, I don't know. Okay, so the Lakers and the Celtics pretty much, even though Lakers have a, a, have a, a recent championship. Let me just stick with the Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics ride too much on past success i understand you had bill russell and and casey jones and 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 bob cousy i understand you had that success you know some you know one of the most decorated teams uh in nba history in sports history i understand that and then of course you had the ray out you had the one championship with ray allen uh kevin garnett and and paul paul pierce i understand that i understand that but there has been an unrealistic expectation. I don't know if it's due to the fans. I don't know if it's due to the media. But there has always been an unrealistic expectation when it comes to the Boston Celtics. People expect the Boston Celtics to just be championship contenders year after year. And that's, that is not the case. They, I mean, yeah, Brad Stevens was an okay coach. But he's more of a player development coach over an actual, like, X's and O's head coach. He will develop the hell. I mean, look at Jalen Brown. Look at Jason Tatum. He develops players incredibly. And that was one of his strengths back in, when he was a Butler head coach. You know, Gordon Hayward getting two Butler teams to the national championship. Teams that shouldn't. I mean, yeah, Sheldon Richardson, I believe his name was. Like, getting two teams to the national championship that didn't deserve to be or deserve to be there, but no one expected to be there. Brad Stevens is a great developing coach, but when was he a great coach as far as getting you over the top? I, I didn't see it. Now, am I saying he was a bad coach? No, but getting you over the top, I didn't see it. So, People have an unrealistic expectation of what the Boston Celtics should be. People think because of their history, because they're Boston, they should always be title contenders. And honestly, to be quite honest with you, they have not been that since. Now, I understand that Eastern Conference, uh, the Eastern Conference Finals appearance a couple years ago refueled that flame and how great Jason Tatum's been as refueled it, how great Jalen Brown has been as refueled it, but... The Boston Celtics are nowhere close, in my opinion. They have great players. Don't get me wrong. But I wouldn't pick them. Oh, and we'll talk about it a little later. I wouldn't pick them over the Sixers. I wouldn't pick them over Brooklyn. I wouldn't pick them over. A lot. Hell, I don't know if I'd pick them, at least this year, over the Knicks. It's just. There's been an unrealistic expectation that comes with Boston. Because of what they did in the past, before a lot of people were even born, 
people automatically expect them to be title contenders. And I think going to the Boston Celtics, that unrealistic expectation is put on your head. Like, Kimball Walker, to me, is not a championship caliber player, but he's a great player. But going to Boston Celtics, people automatically think he should be a title contender. And I think because there's so many, there's so much realistic expectations, and now that Brad Stevens is the GM outside the head coach, they're trying to make moves, or they're going to see that they're trying to make moves for the now. But if you look, the now is not there. I don't think, hell, let's say, let's just say the Boston Celtics do, does it. And I say does it as they get to the finals. They they go past Philly. They go past Brooklyn um, next year because clearly they ain't happening this year. They go past these teams. I don't. They're not better than the currently constructed Lakers. I don't think when we need to see what happens when Clay Thompson gets back and James Wiseman gets back, and we need to see what happens with Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins, and of course with Steph Curry. They're not better than the, the 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 Golden State Warriors. I don't think they're better than the Utah Jazz. I don't think they're better than the Clippers. Uh, I don't think they're better than. I mean, you can kind of give Portland a run for their money. Like, I just don't. They're not. They're not championship caliber. They're not a championship caliber team, and they haven't been a championship caliber team since two thousand and eight when they won it, and that was it. So, yes, you trade Kimball Walker. And yes, you get Al Horford, which he was playing for the organization. So I don't know if they're going to keep Al Horford. I don't know if they're going to keep Moses Brown, who's a big. But you know that 16th overall pick says a lot. That that says the the Oklahoma City Thunder didn't want Kimball Walker. And honestly, I don't know if they'll keep Kimball Walker. I don't think – and that's no indictment to Kim Walker. I just don't think he has the same effect. I know he doesn't have the same effect of a Chris Paul. And OKC, as we've seen the last few years, is in the draft game. Like, they're trying to accum- like uh, compile all the draft picks in the world. I don't know if they're going to move them for a huge player. I don't know what they're trying to do. But they have, like, 1,001 draft picks in the next five years. So I don't know what the final play is going to be for Kimball Walker. And I don't know if Al Horford is going to stay on Boston. Boston's biggest problem last year was they didn't have a center that could really defend uh, well for. They didn't have a center that can one like score constant like score consi- like consistently. And they also didn't have a center that can really play defense like Tristan Thompson just ain't it. And while Al Horford is a better scoring option than Tristan Thompson, they both pretty much aren't defenders. Now, of course, we'll see if they keep uh, Moses Brown, but I don't think this deal is done as far as I don't think that when we look next season, or hell, maybe when we look in the beginning of the season, I don't know if Kimball will be on OKC. I don't know if Al Horford will be on uh, the Celtics, but I do know that we saw this coming. We didn't see – I didn't think this was coming as fast as far as Kimball Walker being traded because, again, two weeks ago they were saying that Kimball Walker and the Boston Celtics, they're looking to to part ways because Kimball was upset that he was in trade rumors. And you know what? That's something I'm going to talk about. And it's not just Kimball because you see this a lot. You see players that are upset that their name is in trade, trade talks. Yo, 
nobody is untouchable. If, if the if if and look outside of maybe no nobody's untouchable. If if Brooklyn calls Golden State right now and says we'll give you Kyrie, Kevin Durant, James Harden, uh, in like our, our draft pick, and you give us Steph, you think that Golden State as much as Steph has done for the organization, as much as Steph, you know, three championships, two MVPs, you think that they're going to be like, ah, you know what? Mm. No, Steph is untouchable. We don't want Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie untouchable. Just never mind. Like, no one is untouchable. So when star, and this is still a business. So when stars get upset and out of source because their names in trade talks, you got to understand you're still working for a business and the business is trying. Every team is an organization. Every team is a business. So you're trying to improve as much as you can. So when you're looking like, damn, man, like they trying to trade me like, uh, <laughs> like, I don't know, man. It's just, it's just funny to me. I'm, and don't get me wrong. I'm not, I understand how tough it is to be traded seeing as though you, you probably have a like family and you got to uproot your family and go to a different place. Uh, you got to learn a whole, you know, put your kids in a whole new school system. Your, your, your wife or whoever have to, has to, you know, find the area for the family. You have to find a home. Like, I understand how tough it is. Don't get me wrong. I, even though I don't go through it, but I understand how tough it is to, to be traded and to just move suddenly, especially when you have no, like you had no plans on doing that. But for, for athletes to be like, Oh man, I was so offended that my name was in trade talks. <laughs> Bro, look, they will trade. Nobody's untouchable. You think if golden state called, called the Lakers right now and said, yo, we'll give you Stephen clay. All you gotta do is give us LeBron. You think LeBron James ain't waking up tomorrow as a as a as a Golden or ain't waking up tomorrow as a Golden State Warrior? If the Warriors said we'll give you Stephen Clay and all you have to and we'll get LeBron, you think that the Lakers would be like, ah, nah, that's LeBron. Like, come on, bro. That's all I'm saying, man. That's, that's all I'm saying. But I do wish the best for Kimball Walker. Um, I wish the best for Al Horford. I wish the best for Moses Brown and all the players or draft picks or whatever that'll be involved. Um, again, it's, I don't root for players getting traded. Uh, I think it's, it's kind of weird to, to, to like bash a player for getting traded. Um, it is, that it is again, as the organization and players make as much money as they do. Cause they understand the, the, what, what the, you know, they understand what is, what it is, but I don't know, man. I, I think this, this, this trade definitely affects a lot of people. This affects the Boston Celtics. This affects um, this definitely affects uh, OKC. This pro this affects Washington. I think Kimball Walker could have been a good fit in Washington, especially when he said he wanted to be traded. This affects the Lakers. The Lakers are in need of a scoring point guard, and that could have helped. Especially, we don't know what's going to happen with Dennis Schroeder. Um, this 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 could have this could affect a lot of people, uh, and. You know, I, 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 you know, the thing about trades is you need to see how, you know, how, you don't really know, at least it's like a huge play. You don't really know the immediate effect of how it's going to, you know, you don't know the immediate effect of all the teams, but we'll see. We'll see. But 
like I said, shouts out to Kimba, and I, I wish him nothing but the best. If he stays in OKC and loves it there, hey, turn up for you. If he gets bought out and goes somewhere else, turn up for you. If they trade him, I don't know. I don't know if Kim. I think Kimba Walker's still good enough to still be traded. Like I don't think he's he's fallen off. I don't think he's fallen off enough to 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 be in a buyout market. But you know, we'll see how it goes, man. So let's move on. Mm. So you know, this is the serious conversation day. This is the this is the serious conversation, day. and now it's time to have. Another serious conversation about Ben Simmons in the in the Sixers. Now, when recording this, this is this is what's today? This is Friday afternoon slash evening. The game game six of the NBA uh, of the Sixers and Hawks game has not commenced yet. So, if they win, they win. As in the Sixers, if the Sixers win, they win. Shouts out to y'all. Y'all push it to a game seven. But I need and and if Ben Simmons goes off for 40 or whatever, hey, good for you. But you ever have a friend, a friend that you see he or she just does some wild stuff constantly, but it's like they do it in spurts, but it keeps happening. And it's just like, I mean... It's like you try to convince yourself, you know, you know what it is. Boom. You have a friend that lies a lot, but that, you know, you convince yourself, maybe they don't know, or, you know, they're still good people, but they do lie a lot. It's not like one of them. They lie all the time as far as like, they lie about huge things, but they lie about little things. Like, did you go to the store today? Nah, but they did go to the store or is that my charger? Nah, but that's, that's my charger. The Sixers, year after year, either it's them, either it's the, 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 the media, they try to convince us that they're, this is their year. Hell, and, and people fall for it. I fall for it. Like, the, org, like the, the NBA falls for it. It's it just people, it's always... They'll always have a have a there'll be a, a game where where Joel and B goes crazy and they just blow somebody out over a game like when the Sixers played Utah and Ben Simmons had forty two or whatever. They just they always have those games where it makes you think, oh yeah, they they can win it all. This is them. But then they have games like what happened in Game Four and Game Five when they're up big and. <laughs> Game five, they were up, what, 18 points? No, game four, they were up 18 points against uh, Atlanta uh, Atlanta Hawks in Atlanta and lose that game. Game, game five, they are up 26 points in the third quarter and lose the game. They score, Atlanta scores 40 points in the second, I mean, in the fourth quarter. And in the whole second half, only Joel Embiid, and Seth Curry were the only players to score a field goal. On paper, when you look at the 76ers, they have everything. They have a dynamic 
point guard, and that is Ben Simmons as far as he's 6'11". He can play point. He can guard every position. Um, he can get to the room with ease. Uh, ben Simmons. You have a dynamic big, Joel Embiid, arguably one of the best, well, un- unarguably one of the best bigs in the league, uh, scoring crazy footwork, crazy defense, really good. You have a sharpshooter, Seth Curry. Seth Curry, while he's not Stephen Curry, he is. I think he has the best shooting percentage in the league this year. Um, I mean, the other night he had, like, I think he went like seven for eight or seven for nine from three. You have a, a dynamic wing, Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris can give you 30 any night. Tobias Harris is a big frame. Tobias Harris... Uh, Tobias Harris can hit mid-range. He can get to the cup. He's a good free throw shooter. He's a decent three-point sh- No, he's a he's an average three-point shooter. The wing. You have a you have a sol- I mean you have a decent bench. You have Shake Milton who is a spark. Dwight Howard who's a future Hall of Famer even though people don't like me to say that. He's a future Hall of Famer, especially what he did in Orlando. But you have Dwight Howard, who, by the way, still gives you a lot of energy, still has, you know, still is decent around the rim. But that's what they always have. And, again, it's like they keep trying to reel you in. If you look at the 76ers on paper, they are a championship team. They 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 have all the pieces of a championship. They have all the big names for a championship. But let's let's go back. Let's talk about all those players. Let's let's unveil the curtain. Let's 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 really talk about these players. Oh, you know what? Before I do that, let's talk about they have the coach, Doc Rivers. Uh an NBA champion, uh, whole you know, coach some of the best, the best seasons that the Clippers had. Now let's again. Now now let's unveil. Let's talk about everyone we just talked about. Let's start with Ben Simmons. Probably, arguably one of the worst three point free throw shooters in the league hasn't doesn't even he's so scared and and cannot shoot so bad that he doesn't even attempt jump shots he doesn't even want the ball in the fourth quarter because he's not he's not confident with himself making the free throw because he's not good at free throws that's Ben Simmons Joel Embiid incredible talent incredible talent people can argue that he is the best center in the league yet he cannot stay healthy year after year after year he continues to get hurt and honestly it's usually lower extremity either leg angle foot it's he's always getting hurt Tobias Harris the most inconsistent player ever bro one game he'll be incredible give you 30 be the reason why you won the next game he doesn't he scores four points and doesn't score in the second half of the game Seth Curry incredibly good shooter has a good ball handle doesn't play a lick of defense 
Hell no, Curry plays defense, but doesn't play a lick of defense. Dwight Howard, not the Dwight Howard of old, comes in the game and it seems, it seems like every time Dwight Howard gets in the game, he does a stupid foul, and then you look up like, damn, Dwight Howard's only been in the game for six minutes and has three fouls? And those three fouls put the other team in foul, like put the other team in the bonus. Doc Rivers, I think he's lost 11 games where he's been up 15 or more points. 11 in the in the postseason. I think that's the most in NBA history. I can keep going. Shake Milton, he's 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 an average player. He has some good moments, but he's still a bench player. It's like this team they they keep it's like the Corvette, man. The Corvette is a beautiful, beautiful car. You can you can get a great paint job. You can get oh man, you know, you can you can get the the nice rims. You can get the mu the the muffler that's like you can get that junk. But at the end of the day, you can't use the damn car in the wintertime because it's not a winter car. It's like Year after year after year, when you look on paper, you look at the, the, the and, and even some, most of the time in the regular season, you look and it's like, this team should be good enough. This team is good enough. Well, let me say this. This team should be good enough to contend for a championship. But then you see they have games like game four and game five against the Hawks. And don't get me wrong. The Hawks are an incredible team. The Hawks are a young, scrappy team with a young star in Trey Young, with a young rising star in Joe and and John Collins, with a good shooter in Bogdanovich, with 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 a good veteran in Gallinari and Lou Williams. Like they are a good team. But they should not. And I mean should not be up 3-2 as we speak against the number one overall seed in the East that has an MVP caliber player. He, Joel Embiid finished second in MVP, first team all defense. Ben Simmons finished second in defensive player of the year, first team all defense. Matisse Thimble, who, by the way, I didn't mention, incredible defender. Second, I think third team all defense. Or second. Second team all defense. Can't shoot to save his life. You're going against two all-stars. Three if you want to count Dwight Howard in his past days. But you're going up against three defensive player of the year or defensive players. Def all, let me say, you're going, the Atlanta Hawks are going up against three all defense players. One MVP candidate, one defensive player of the year candidate, and one all NBA, all NBA teamer. And they're up 3-2. And that's more to do with the 76ers than it is with the Hawks. The 76ers are prone to have these meltdowns. 
even with the talent that they have. And and, and what's worse, and I, I don't think it's worse, but what we're going, what we're seeing is I don't think they're going to make a change. Because you look and you have an MVP candidate, you have a defense, defensive player of the year candidate, you have three all defensive, uh, all defense team, all NBA defensive teams, teamers, whatever. You have an all NBA player, so they're gonna look like, well, it just didn't work out, bro. This keeps happening. There should be no like, look at look at the history that they have. Losing against the Bucks. Losing against losing the Bucks the way they lost to the Bucks actually. Lose, no, not not the Bucks, not the Bucks. Who did they lose to in the bubble, bro? The Sixers lost the Celtics. Losing to the Celtics the way that they lost in the bubble. Losing the way that they lost to Kawhi Leonard in the in the Toronto Raptors. It's like that shouldn't happen. I said this before, and I'll and I'll conclude this part with this. I always said that Ben Simmons and Joel and B couldn't play together. I was wrong. I was I was wrong. I will admit that I was wrong. Ben Simmons and Joel and B can definitely play together. I guess I'll credit Doc Rivers and his coaching staff for being able to get the most out of both Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid while they're both on the floor together. Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid can play together. However, uh, there is a ceiling, and that ceiling is not an NBA championship. Now, if they do win the championship this year or next year, I will come on here and say that I was wrong. I have no problem in admitting that I was wrong. Hell, I just admitted I was wrong when I said that I didn't think Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid could play together. So if I'm wrong, I will admit it. But I, what I'm seeing, they can play together, but their ceiling is not an NBA championship. With the way that Ben Simmons cannot shoot the ball, he can't shoot anywhere. Like he is, He's only good at layups, dunks, maybe some floaters in the paint. If he's not in the paint, he's not, he's not efficient at all. So, with Ben Simmons not being able to shoot a lick, Tobias Harris paying, getting paid all that money to be as inconsistent as he is, and Joel Embiid, incredible player, arguably top 10 player, when healthy, but the, 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 the thing is, when healthy. We've seen, I think we've seen the best of the Sixers. It's just I don't know if the like I can't. It's hard for me from what I'm seeing in this series against the Hawks. If they do beat the Hawks, let's say they do beat the Hawks, I don't see them. It, I don't. I don't see them beating the, the 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 Milwaukee Bucks. I don't see them beating the Brooklyn Nets. Whoever comes out of that series, and if they make it to the championship, I don't see them beating anyone in the West because they're not consistent enough. Quite as arguably, to be completely honest. The Atlanta Falcons, the Atlanta Falcons, the Atlanta Hawks is the worst team in the playoffs right now. Remaining in the playoffs, not in general, but remaining in the playoffs. And you're about to, you're having the, you're in a dogfight with them. 
Atlanta, the Atlanta Hawks is they're not the Milwaukee Bucks. They're not the 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 Brooklyn Nets, especially if the Brooklyn Nets get Kyrie back. They're not the Utah Jazz. They're not. Well, of course, we have to see what happens with Kawhi, but they're not the Clippers. They're not the Phoenix Suns. So, man, look. The 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 they have some good talent, man. The Sixers, Ben Simmons is a good talent. Joel Embiid is a great talent, but their limitations is glaring. When it when at, at the worst moments, because again, a Corvette, man, beautiful car, beautiful car, paint job, great, makes loud, fast car, great rims. Great exterior, great interior, but it's a car that you're. It's a it's a summer car. This the 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 Sixers is a regular season team because I they have not shown a consistency to be good in the playoffs or be good late in season, late in playoffs because they just flame out. So. Let's move on. First and foremost, congratulations to uh, LaMelo Ball for winning Rookie of the Year. Um, he he was, he. I mean, the question is, the question is, did he deserve Rookie of the Year? First and foremost, he won it. And it really, it really... To to answer that question, you have to um what are you looking for in a rookie of the year? What are you looking for in a winner of an award, I guess? Um because I've said this before and I'll say it again. The mellow ball throughout the entire throughout the most most of the season was the was the rookie of the year clear cut. What he was doing with Charlotte, some of the highlight plays he was doing. He was the clear-cut rookie of the year. But when I say clear-cut, I don't mean like he was rookie of the year by country mile. I just mean that he was the consensus rookie of the year. However, Anthony Edwards was playing incredible. And and I like to think he was right on the heels of LaMelo Ball. Was LaMelo Ball the rookie of the year? Yes. But was Anthony Edwards close, to my opinion? Yes. While he did play on a weaker Minnesota Timberwolves team, they didn't win as much as the Charlotte Hornets, I do think that Anthony Edwards was playing incredible. And then LaMelo Ball got hurt. And with LaMelo Ball getting hurt, LaMelo Ball played 51 games in a regular season. He averaged 15 no, 16 points a game, two steals, and six assists and six rebounds. Those are incredible numbers for especially a rookie. And like I said, before he got hurt, he was the clear-cut um rookie of the year. But Anthony Edwards, to me, was close. 
Then LaMelo Ball, you took LaMelo Ball out the picture because he was hurt. And Anthony Edwards just kept going and kept playing. Anthony Edwards played every game in the regular season, all 72. Anthony Edwards finished with 19 points a game. That's compared to LaMelo Ball's 16. He finished with one steal a game, which is compared to Melo Ball's two. Three assists and five rebounds. However, he was available for 72 games. LaMelo Ball was available for 51 games. And LaMelo Ball had the ball more than Anthony Edwards because he was the point guard. Even though towards the end of the season, Anthony Edwards, Anthony Edwards even with a Carl Anthony Towns on the team, was the go-to guy. Shouts, I mean, congratulations to LaMelo Ball. I'm not saying he didn't deserve it, but what I'm saying is with LaMelo Ball going out and Anthony Edwards playing 21 more games than LaMelo Ball and being incredible, I just think that maybe Anthony Edwards may have deserved it more. Don't get me wrong. LaMelo Ball is an incredible talent, and I think LaMelo Ball will be incredible for the league for a long time. And I think Anthony Edwards is an incredible talent. And I think he'll continue to rise and he'll continue to be great for the league. But I just think that Anthony Edwards, to me, because he was available for 21 more games than uh, LaMelo Ball, because he averaged more points than LaMelo Ball, and because I feel that he was close to LaMelo Ball in Rookie of the Year when they were playing, and then LaMelo Ball got out, went out, and Anthony Edwards kept going and kept being incredible. And when, of course, LaMelo Ball came back, he was still great. But I would think, I thought that Anthony Edwards kind of surpassed him at that point because he didn't miss time. So, you know, I, I don't, you know, I, I'm not hating on LaMelo Ball. I think LaMelo Ball... You know, I'm not mad that he won Rookie of the Year. I just think that – and it kind of goes back to the conversation that we have with the MVP. It's like I like to think – now, I think Nikola Jokic deserved the MVP, yes. But I think that this year they rewarded him mostly because of, one, what he did with Jamal Murray being out and, of course, leading the Denver Nuggets to the third seed or yeah, third seed. However – I think they awarded him more because he didn't miss a game in the regular season. Like, he played all 72 games. And to play all 72 games and to get Denver to the sixth, to the third seed, I think, you know, I think that that was important. I, I, that's why Joel Embiid didn't win. I think that's one reason why Steph Curry didn't win, because he was out and because the team record. It's like, just like how we have to decide how we're going to vote and how we're going to continue to vote for the all for the for the MVP same thing with the rookie of the year are you going to vote someone that may be the more flashy player maybe brings more tickets to the or tickets to the the NBA's pocket brings more fans to the team the team with a better record or are you going to are you going to um Give the rookie of the year to a player that's actually had the better rookie season, in my opinion. And that was Anthony Edwards, in my opinion. So, shouts out to LaMelo Ball. Not saying, you know, I ain't hating. You know, congratulations to you. But I do think that 
Anthony Edwards probably should have or deserve the MVP this year a little more than LaMelo Ball due to the fact that he had an incredible season and he played 21 games more than LaMelo Ball. So there's that. Let's move forward. So another big shocker was Rick Carlisle resigns from the Mavs uh, after 13 seasons. And this comes a day after GM Donnie Nelson agreed to part ways with the Mavericks uh, after 24 seasons. Now, reports are saying that Rick Carlisle could have um, had a had a shaky relationship with with uh, Luca. This could have Donnie Nelson could have been gone because they've they've swung and missed with KCP and getting Luca help around him. There's a, there's a lot of reasons why Rick Carlisle is not the coach of. Or there, there's a lot of reasons that it could be that Rick Carlisle has resigned from the Mavs coach, but all in all, he's not the coach anymore. I think that this, the 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 Dallas Mavericks, may be one of the best coaching positions or coaching vacancies right now because they have a star, um, and a young star at that. Like it's different from having a, a star that's like aging. Like they have a Luca is top ten player in a lot of people's opinion. And I think he's only what twenty two, so uh, I, I I think that you know this this kind of goes back to and we'll talk about this in a second with Stan Van Gundy, but this kind of goes back to the player empowerment. Uh, this is the player empowerment era, and if you're not right with your with your star player, Rick Carlisle, even though he plays a big part, Rick Carlisle is not putting money in Mark Cuban's pockets. It's Luca. So at the end of the day, if Luca's not happy, Mark Cuban's not happy, and they, you know, Rick Carlisle. I don't. I can. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't. I. I. I think that Rick Carlisle still has a lot in him. I think that he. He's been a really good coach. I. I. I do think that having a star like a like um, Dirk Nowinski, and then getting it passed on to Luca definitely helped Rick Carlisle's coaching status. Um, but, you know, it, a lot of people are saying that Luca was unhappy with, uh, or Luca and Rick Carlisle had tension. And that's definitely going to affect the Mavs moving forward if Rick Carlisle is still the coach. And you want Luca to resign for the Supermax. So, you know, and of course, Donnie Nelson the GM, you're the person that's directly affecting draft picks, directly going in with trades, and the fact that you swung in a miss on KCP, I'm not KCP, on Christoph Porzingis being, because a lot of people, especially when the move happened, it was like, wow, like Luca and, and, and Porzingis will be incredible. As we've seen, it has not been. So, and I think Porzingis, I think a, a report came out saying that the camp is not even happy with Porzingis. So, or no, Porzingis is not happy with the organization because they feel like he's been like a forgotten star or whatever. I don't, I don't know. But yeah, man, I don't. Th- I, I think that I, I think wherever Rick Carlisle goes, I mean, you heard rumblings that he could be the Trailblazers' next coach. He could be um, maybe the Boston Celtics. I don't know, but um, I don't know. I I don't know. I I think that. I, 
I, I think Dallas is a really a really desirable organization right now as far as you have this is this is a very rare time. I don't know if this has ever happened in the league where there's a vacancy, uh, a coaching vacancy where they have a young star. In fact, there's two coaching vacancies that have young stars, and that's Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks and Jason Tatum and the Boston Celtics. Now, there are other vacancies that have stars like the Washington Wizards. You have Bradley Bill. You have Russell Westbrook. Uh, Damian Lillard and the, the, the Portland Trailblazers, they need a coach. So there's a lot of a lot of good coaching positions out there, but this is the first time I think that we've seen two places that have stars under 25, which is Bradley Bill. I mean, no, which is Jason Tatum and Luka Doncic, both need coaches. So, you know, and 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 moving forward, talking about coaches, Stan Van Gundy gets fired, or you know, gets fired after one season with the Pelicans. Now. We just talked about player empowerment. Uh, this is a player empowerment era. And if your star player is not happy, then because they have so much of a following, so much of a presence, so much of power to an organization, they can say, hey, I don't want to be here anymore, and they're gone. Hell, look, i.e., look what happened to Anthony Davis. Look what happened with uh, James Harden. Hell, you can even, it's not just basketball. Look at sports. Look at look at uh Anthony Anthony. Look at Aaron Rodgers. Look at Deshaun Watson. Look at Stephon Diggs. Like, if you're not happy, DeAndre Hopkins, you you probably can be out of there. You just gotta, you know, stand on your stand on your two stand on your ten toes and be like, I don't wanna be here no more. But You have to when we look at the the situation between Stan Van Gundy and the the Pelicans, you have to look solely, in my opinion, at David Griffin. This is a player empowerment league, and this you're you're getting a new age of player. Players are getting more information. Players have a social presence. Players kind of need to be catered to more than ever. And you hire a coach in Stan Van Gundy who is known to have a tough time connecting with the players. Don't get me wrong. He is a great coach. What he did, he, you know, he was the coach that helped Dwight Howard get to where he was in Orlando. I mean, they got to an NBA, NBA championship and they got to an NBA finals. They didn't win. And I think 2009, when they went up against Kobe and the Lakers, uh, Stan Van Gunny is a good coach, but he is not the best coach to connect with players. He's not the best coach to build a friendship and build a connection with players. Now, understand that a coach isn't there to be your friend. A coach is there to be a coach. But this is a new age, and these days, you want your coach to have a connection with the players, especially when you look at the roster that the Pelicans have. You have Zion Williamson, I think is 21 or 22, 20 or 21. Brandon Ingram, under 25. Josh Hart, under 25. Uh, what's his name? Lon- Lonzo Ball, under 25. Four of your best players are under 25. Hell, Jack- what's his name? Jackson H- Hines, under 25. So you're hiring a coach that is known to not have the best relationships with players. While he can get good 
results out of players. He has not had the best reputation with players. He didn't have the best reputation in Orlando. He didn't have the best reputation in Detroit. And you think that he, if he doesn't have a best, the best reputation with the veteran players, you think he's going to have the best, repu, uh, best relationship with young players? Now, do I think that he deserved to be fired after one year? No. There, you can't really learn much about a new team, a new coach in one year. Not to mention, if we look at the, or the, the, the roster, Zion's incredible. Zion's going to be an incredible fixture to the league for, for years to come. But he don't play a lick. Of, like, he don't even try on defense. That's not something you can coach. He don't try on defense. There's a difference between the difference between Scott Brooks and Stan Van Gundy as far as defensively. Stan Van Gundy cares about defense. It's just the players that he has cannot play defense. Like they don't even try. Scott Brooks doesn't even care about defense. He didn't care about defense when he was with OKC. He didn't care about defense when he was with the with the Washington Wizards now. He just doesn't care. And that when your coach doesn't care, how do you think the players are going to care? Stan Van Gundy cares about defense. The problem is Zion don't play a lick of defense. Brandon Ingram don't play a lick of defense. Lonzo, he's he's here or there. Josh Hart, he's he's here or there. But they don't, they're not their best players. So in the, in an era where you know players are 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 have more of a voice and everything, I wasn't surprised to see that um I wasn't surprised to see that the Pelicans let go of of Stan Van Gundy. I do think that it was a little too early, though, because you can't learn much about a new team and a new coach in <laughs> in a year. Like, it just, you know, you know. I understand if the players, you know, if he couldn't connect with players, I get that. And and then in that case, then maybe, you know, it, it shouldn't – if the players are saying, yo, we don't want him as a coach, I get that. But then you also have to look at David Griffin – David Griffin, like, why would you hire a coach that is known to not be, not do well with interact? Not, he was never good at connecting, have that person to person connection with players. He didn't do it even even with stars. He didn't do it with Dwight Howard. He didn't do it with Blake Griffin when he was in Detroit. He like, why would you hire a coach for a young team when? If he can't even connect to veterans, you think he's going to connect to these new age players? Doesn't make sense, man. And lastly, I want to say first and foremost, um, Naomi Osaka, who is the world's number two, uh, number two ranked tennis player, withdraws from Wimbledon. Now this comes off of the heels of, of course, her withdrawing from. I don't. Was it the French Open? I think it was a French Open because she, uh, you know, she she stayed in mental health and not wanting to communicate with the media. They were saying that they're going to find her um, every time. And then if she keeps doing it, they might like disqualify her. So she just, you know, said, forget it. I'm out. And then now she withdraws from Wimbledon. And of course, she states that uh, it's due to mental health. Uh, she she wants to get away from the game, be with friends and family, get her mental health back right. And 
man, oh man, people are going crazy. Like people are so upset with this person. Like she, they are killing this girl. Like, hey, you know, you get paid all this money, um, and then you wanted this, that, and the third. Shouts out, congratulations, and I'm I'm happy for Naomi Osaka for understand. And I talked about this when I talked about it before, but understanding that money is not the most important thing. I understand people that have no money. Hell, I have no money. <laughs> I understand that people that have no money, their pursuit is to get money, and they because their pursuit is to get money so bad, they're 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 willing to just push a lot of things aside. Mental health, current living situation. I get that. But the fact that she is is putting her mental health first, I love that. I love that, and that's so important. And who cares what other people that have absolutely nothing to do with your life says about you? If they don't know how you are when you wake up in the morning and rub your eyes and hopefully get with the Lord before you make your day or before you go about your day, if they don't have a say in that, you should. You don't have a say in my life. You don't have a say in her life. So... Shouts out to her, man. And Wimbledon, this is going to be huge for Wimbledon. Like, they're going to take a huge hit. You talk about player empowerment. And the number two overall player does not withdraws from the entire the entire tournament. Like, that's crazy. And, hey, she she has every right to do that. And, I'm, you know, shouts out to her. So, I'm not upset. And keep doing what you're doing, Naomi Osaka. We are with you. I think that she says that she's she's gearing and and shooting for the Olympics to 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 play in the Olympics. I think she'll represent Japan because she is Japanese. Um, but hey, do what you want to do, man. Ain't nobody else. Look, who who gives a damn what people have to say, man? If they if they don't if they don't tie your shoes, if they don't pay you, if they don't don't pay you, if they don't if they don't have any bearings in your life, who cares what they say, bro? And I, I think she knows that. Hey, it is what it is. So do what you got to do, man. Congratulations to her, and I hope that she is able to um, she's able to take the time that she needs to get her mental health to where the way where she wants it to be. So, and there you have it, man. That has been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I appreciate all my supporters. I appreciate all my listeners, all my view, all my viewers on YouTube. I apologize for last episode. I'm not too sure what's, what happened with the audio uh, video syncing thing, but I got it together, so we're good. Um, if you want an unpopular podcast, hoodie, shirt, sweatshirt, uh, long sleeve, joggers, the link is in the description below. Hey, go get you some unpopular podcast merch, man. It'll look good on you. I promise you it'll look good. I mean, look at me. It looks good on me. It'll look good on you. <clears throat> man. But uh, I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm trying to get to 1,000 subscribers, so it definitely mean a lot. And uh, until next time, much love. See the way it's rolling now, girl, I can't tame you. Can't blame you, yeah. You know the way to pose. You know, you know your angle. Oh, I can't tame you. I can't yeah. tame you. I can't. Yeah.
Internationally known on this microphone. Holy field, Ross Craig. We had Tyson's though. Lonely nights, I'm alright. I can vibe alone, so don't be tired. I'm quiet, no inquiring though. I know your angles. Way back then, bitches, show your bracelet. Cartier stacking for days, look like Thanos. You saying the universe ain't grateful. I put infinity stones on all your fingers. Generous when I got feelings for who I got. Feelings for when I'm not feeling you, girl, I'm not. Dealing with other feelings, I feel that you fear a lot. Cause I be in my feelings, I'm giving you what I've got. Maybe I'm on your page, maybe I got your heart. Maybe I can't love you cause I don't know where to stop. And chasing your potential, potential ain't enough. I guess I am what I am, but you are who you was, what's up? See the way you're showing up, girl, I can't tame you. I can't blame you, yeah. You know the way to pose, you know, you know your angle. You look good, girl. You look good. Okay, this energy's giving me sex symbol. Pose for me, girl. I think I'm the best with you. Pose for me more. I think you're the best for me. Now post when I'm done and credit your ex, nigga. Hey, you petty, you flex different. You know I be the plug, the one to connect with you. Now go up in these stores and tell them who mess with you. You know I take you home, but now you address different. Woo! I ain't tricking, we clicking, I ain't tripping, you sipping, rap aside, I'll sit what I say my sentences, I be with hood, Christian them, or the slime, it's for Lara, and I been popping back when Papa came out, I be like, shawty, shawty, put that shit on and take a pick, I bet you catch a body, 650, I pull up, they gon' 180 to us, they gon' be hating on us, but you be straight, then I be straight, and ain't no angle to it, let's do it, Woo. hey, press. See the way you're showing up, girl, I can't tame you, I can't blame you, yeah. 